is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9.25 p.m. Eastern, for those of you who wish to watch. I don't get to listen to a lot of radio or watch a lot of TV during the course of the day, but from what I could hear and see, there's a lot of stupid people out there. And that's why I always tell you to think for yourselves. Your own experience... Use your own noggin. People think repetition is something that is superior to actual knowledge and so forth. You see Joe Biden today? Joe Biden's talking about vaccines. Joe Biden's talking about how he's going to use the Department of Education to violate the Tenth Amendment, federalism, and the authority of governors who disagree with his medical fascists and um, he can talk about the vaccinations that's fine then when he's done there's actually reporters trying to ask him questions he turns around and walks away I don't think we've ever seen anything like this He turns around and walks away. The Vice President of the United States is in hiding. Literally nobody knows where she is. Where's Nancy Pelosi, the third in line? She was praising Biden for his outstanding efforts here. How about the Democrat leader in the Senate? Where's he? Where's the Democrat leadership? Where's the Democrat Party? So Biden does an interview with Stephanopoulos. Biden does an interview with Stephanopoulos? Stephanopoulos is a Democrat operative. Everybody knows that. The prior interviews he did with Biden were shameless. 
Absolutely shameless. And so maybe he'll be pressed a little bit. He won't be pressed like he needs to be pressed. Why do you think Biden went to Stephanopoulos? Now, what did we learn today from the press event with the Secretary of Defense and the head of the Joint Chiefs? We learned today, according to them, that they were prepared for any contingency, when in fact they were not. And yet they are leaking to the New York Times, as are the intelligence agencies, to cover themselves. But there may be some truth to these leaks, respecting Joe Biden. So you need to work through this and think it through. Rather than be knee-jerk like some people on TV and radio. And we're going to talk about some of this. Now we had 2,500 military personnel, non-combat military personnel, backed up by about 1,000 military personnel at best. And six to 7,000 NATO troops. That's it. Federal contractors who for a fee were helping to provide the Afghan military with parts and maintenance on their helicopters and some of the jets that they had. We had Bagram Airport, which the Soviets had built, which is effectively untouchable based on the geography and everything else there. And so we would use that airport, we would use our intelligence, because the CIA had bases there, and we would use our strategies to advise the Afghans on how to fight for themselves. The Afghans were doing the overwhelming vast majority of the fighting. That, by the way, is how you have 2,500 non-combat personnel and keep the battle in Afghanistan. I think most people can understand that with an IQ over 12. Because that's what was happening, as a matter of fact, not an abstract theory. And we hadn't been hit for 20 years from Afghanistan. That is a, what we call, an unequivocal fact on the ground. It's not speculation. A 20-year war. It was not a 20-year war. 2,500 non-combat personnel backed up by 1,000. You're not engaged in a hot war, day in and day out. And you know, that's to the credit of President Trump. We have ideologues, extremists, even among us, who approach war as an ideology. They approach war as they approach politics. National security involves, yes, some basic principles, but it involves a word called prudence. Prudence. It means you can't be Lindsey Graham 
and just run into every battle and send in a couple hundred thousand troops. That's not prudential. But it also means when you have essentially neutralized the threat to the United States of individuals who attacked the United States successfully 20 years ago, that it's prudential. Have to fiddle with that a whole lot, actually. That's prudential, too. It's prudential to secure your border. So the enemy can't sneak over. Now, for those who want to keep calling this a 20-year war, I guess they're going to tell you it's over, right? Now it's just a question of how we handle the surrender, which has been a disaster. And we should talk about that, but that's all they want to talk about, because they don't want to talk about the consequences now of what's happening. The consequences now is that this so-called 20-year war is now going to be a 30-year war, a 40-year war. Because our enemy, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, it's not like wiping out the Third Reich or Tojo's Japan and so forth. Our enemy, these terrorists, they're called terrorists for a reason. They're not a standing army with uniforms. They're not going anywhere. And they're not going to change their spots and they're not going to change their stripes. Everything you're hearing now, they're lies. It's exactly what Khomeini said when he took over Iran. The women will be treated well. There'll be free speech rights and due process and equal justice. And of course, he's a liar. Much like Stalin was a liar, who said essentially the same things. Essentially the same things. Because they don't mean a word of it. And you can already see it, what's going on in Afghanistan. The brutalization of little babies. The murder of women. It's taking place now. Then they say, oh, those are our militants. Don't pay attention to them. Afghanistan's about the size of Texas. Most of it, for our media, of course, is unreachable. What could possibly be going on in those other provinces? The rural provinces. The most heinous and hideous things you can think of. That's what's going on. That's why I call them Islamo-Nazis. Islamo-Nazis. And so now what, what people wrongly call this, a 20-year war is not going to be a 30, 40, God knows how long war. Because you see, an enemy that's made of terrorists, they don't work by our calendar and our clock. People say, I don't want to send somebody else's kid over there. I want you to think about that for a second. What happened on 9-11? Almost 3,000 Americans were slaughtered in the middle of New York City. I don't want to send somebody's kid over there. Nobody wants to send anybody's kid anywhere where these animals and barbarians exist. But we have a military, and it's an all-volunteer military. 
And while the incompetence of top brass should be denounced, in general should be fired, no question. I don't want to send my kids, anybody else's kids over there to confront an enemy that slaughtered more Americans than were slaughtered at Pearl Harbor. These are the words of pacifists and isolationists who are going to get more Americans killed, including in battle. If we get struck hard out of Afghanistan, again, what is their answer? What are they going to say? I don't want to send in the Marines. I don't want to send in the Army. I don't want to send in the Air Force. They have no answer for you. None whatsoever. None. They think the world begins and ends today. The world doesn't begin and end today. These terrorists aren't going away. They're stronger than ever. They now occupy more of Afghanistan than they did before 9-11. They now have more of our weapons than they've ever had. And now they have alliances with the communist Chinese, with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. And they threaten their neighbor, Pakistan, that has nuclear weapons. The world has just been made much, much more difficult and dangerous for our men and women in uniform. Somebody else's kids, if they're not yours. Somebody else's kid. Because appeasement and passivity ultimately lead to far more provocation and bloodshed. Now, I don't support the Lindsey Graham foreign policy, the so-called neocon foreign policy, but nor do I support isolationism and pacifism in the face of this enemy. You would have thought we would learn as a result of 9-11, but apparently some people haven't. Apparently some people haven't. And that's too bad. And their inconsistency is really shocking. I've been watching it on TV. Shocking. Why do we have troops in South Korea? Seriously. Why do we care what happens in South Korea? That was a civil war. So it's still a standing civil war. Let them fight for themselves. Why do we do that? Why do we have NATO? World War II is long gone. These other industrial countries, they can defend themselves. Why do we have NATO? Why do we have any kind of military arrangement with Taiwan? What do we care about Taiwan? It's just an island. We don't want to send our kids over there. Ukraine, for crying out loud. Israel. Which really stands for itself, but you get my point. The Chinese move in, the Russians move in, the terrorists move in. Ladies and gentlemen, we were struck from Afghanistan and Pakistan. We weren't struck off our coasts. Too many have very short memories. Too many stupid people talking. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, so radicalized and extreme have the isolationists and the pacifists, even with our own midst in the Republican Party, become, but certainly in the Democrat Party, that they have abandoned Donald Trump's position. We still have troops in Iraq, you know. We still have troops in Syria. Why? Eyes and ears in the areas of the world where we need them to protect certain essential assets. I said on Fox this morning, maybe I'll play this next hour or the third hour. Donald Trump is not an ideologue. He's a principled man who's a practical man. Remember what I said about foreign policy. What's required is prudence based on certain fundamentals. He took out Soleimani even while we were moving troops from Iraq because they attacked us in Iraq, the Iranians. He took out Baghdadi in the entire ISIS caliphate. He didn't say, that's none of our business, let's just leave it over there. He said, no, that's enough, wipe them out. And he told the generals to do it. Obama and Biden. There's an amazing amount of symmetry between Obama, Biden, and those folks and the pacifists and isolationists within our own midst. What else did he do? He attacked the Taliban over and over and over again and even moved the withdrawal date. And a number of the people advising him have said there were certain conditions that had to be met before we were going to eventually get out of there. More when I return. And the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, Fox and Friends is a great show. Wonderful people. Ducey, Kilmeade, my dear friend, Ainsley. Just a great show. Fox and Friends Sunday, same thing. Great, great show. Wonderful friends. I want to thank them. Uh, I don't ask to go on. They ask me to go on. My, my dear friend Hannity, I'll be on tonight. He asks me every week. At some point I'll slow down, but there's just too much going on in my humble opinion. I said that some of the people who, the pacifists and the isolationists, even among our ranks are more extreme than Donald Trump has ever been. Because he's not extreme. He's a practical man. 
And I'm reminded that when he was on Rush Limbaugh's show, who he missed deeply, I do, during a radio rally, remember that? The Genius of Rush, October 5, 2020. And the issue of Iran came up. And what Donald Trump said was, Iran knows that they have been put on notice. If you F around with us, and he used the word, if you do something bad to us, we're going to do things to you that have never been done before. What do you think Donald Trump would do now in Afghanistan? Remember a few years back we talked about this. When the Taliban was collecting for an offensive and they were in their, their tunnels that they had built, much like Hamas in Gaza. They located him and they dropped the biggest ordinance we have, short of nuclear weapon, on them, killing likely thousands and thousands of them. Thousands and thousands of them. Donald Trump was not a pacifist. He was not an isolationist. He stood up to Putin, unlike Biden, despite all the Democrat Party propaganda, and he cut off their pipeline. And he severely sanctioned the oligarchs around Putin. He confronted the communist Chinese like no modern president. He used tariffs not only because they're stealing our technology, but he used it as a national security weapon. He significantly increased the budgets for our military. And he secured our border better than it's ever been secured in my lifetime. Donald Trump didn't say, if we're faced with a threat, we're not going to deal with it. It's a very smart man. He wasn't dealing in foreign policy based on ideology. He left NATO stronger than, than when he came in, despite all the concerns. Look, he's undermining NATO. No, he just demanded that they pay more toward their defense, and now they're stronger than they were before. Stronger than they were before. Now, he didn't like the Afghanistan situation. Do you know anybody who does? Anybody? Nobody that I'm aware of. Nobody. But the geniuses self-identified who know how to fight all these wars. Most of them have never fought one. They have no idea now what to do about the massive centralization of power in Afghanistan among terrorist organizations. Their alliance now with communist China, their alliance with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, the threats that Pakistan's going to face, and on and on and on. And my concern is those young men and women who we send to war, one day we'll be sending a whole lot more based on how we left Afghanistan. And in my view, We should have left well enough alone. I mean, you can't get much fewer than 2,500 non-combat troops and air power where you control the entire air. And now even our intelligence is gone. And if and when we get hit again, these same people will be pointing fingers, we should have been ready, we should have this. Just mark my words. Take down their names. Take down their statements. Because 
The world is more dangerous today than it was yesterday and the day before. Much more dangerous. And America's respect in so many places has now been destroyed. And fear, which is just as good as respect under these circumstances. From China and Russia and Iran and so forth, has been diminished enormously. By Biden and by the we can't send our kids to war crowd. They're not kids, they're adults. And we don't want to send them to war. But the point of a military is, if necessary, as Rush used to say, to kill people and break things. The issue is, if you send our kids, our young men and women, to war, make sure it's fought properly, make sure it's the right war, and make sure they win. And make sure they win. That's the issue. The passivity and isolation crowd, they don't feel that way about the cops, I hope, do they? Every weekend we lose more people in Chicago, Illinois, than we lost in Afghanistan the last 18 months. Which was none. None. At least Biden's consistent. He doesn't give an S. He doesn't give an S. My buddy Sebastian Gorka, he put out a tweet today. Somebody sent it to me, and he quotes Biden from 10 years ago. And I can paraphrase a autobiography written by Richard Holbrook, longtime bureaucrat, Democrat, fairly liberal, foreign policy type. And again, I paraphrase in which he talked about Afghanistan with then uh, Joe Biden, and Biden said, we need to get out of there. And Holbrook said, well, you know, if we leave, the whole thing will collapse, and women and girls will be abused. And he said, I don't give an F about that. I don't give an F about that. Yet there's Muslim organizations all around America who oppose Trump and backed Biden. Women's or, women organizations all around America who oppose Trump and backed Biden. Unhinged, aren't they? Unhinged, in my view. Trump wanted to get out of Syria, he mostly did. Even so, when the fascists, that is the socialist fascist in, uh, in Syria, started to drop gas bombs on his people, Trump hit him. And he did it again, and Trump hit him again. And the extremists, even among us, and the Republicans, condemned Trump as being provocative. When he took out Soleimani, they condemned Trump as being provocative. What is he doing? What is he doing? Be very leery of these people. Be very leery of these people. They'll get more Americans killed and more of our soldiers killed based on their, their theories. You've got to deal with reality. Prudence. Prudence. In my opinion. Now, 
Joe Biden at his press conference today, excuse me, Joe Biden with an interview with uh, George Stephanopoulos today, ABC News. They're going to play it tonight, no question. And they put out a minute 30 of this. I would like you to hear it. Cut 20, Mr. Producer, 20, go. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the, when the Taliban... Uh, let me back up. That's with the it. Taliban. It's the Taliban. Go ahead. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country. All right. Then you see where he starts? Now, that guy's corrupt. There's no question about it. But that doesn't give, that doesn't give Biden somebody to hide about or an event to hide behind. Go ahead. Uh, the significant collapse of the, of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No. You see what I mean? This kind of questioning is questioning by an ignoramus. He's not delving into the specifics. He's not talking about the air base. He's not talking about the number of troops who were there. He's not talking about any of that. He just keeps repeating himself. You couldn't do this better. You couldn't do this better, really? No mistakes? You couldn't do that? Like it's some kind of gestalt session. It's not a gestalt session. You're supposed to be a reporter who's informed, who knows how to ask questions. This is why Biden chose Stephanopoulos. And they must think this is pretty hot over there at ABC because this is what they released. Right, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. Well, so I can tell you there can be a lot less chaos ensuing. And you don't get out until you can make sure a human tragedy like this won't occur. Or that the entire geo-military, geopolitical situation in the region doesn't turn upside down to the great and grave threat to the United States of America and our allies. Sometimes you have to pull back. You don't keep pressing ahead. And then press ahead when you're set. He doesn't know how it could have been done better. Well, why didn't you keep the Bagrain Airport open? At least until our people got out. Well, General Milley and General Austin had an answer for that. You know what it was, essentially? They didn't put it this way. They didn't have enough resources. Basically, they couldn't keep both airports open in Kabul and Bahrain, and also their goal was to protect the embassy. They didn't have enough resources. So they shut down the military airport, which had two runways, and kept open the Kabul airport. Airport that has one runway. 
And they left in the middle of the night, which nobody repeats and should. And our Afghan allies were unaware of it. And some of the jets at that airport had been flown outside of Afghanistan to Uzbekistan and some other stand. Never to be seen again. I'm sure they'll take them apart. And we'll probably lose an enormous amount of technology, technological advantage. But they flew at least three jets out. Three. And probably more. Probably more. I think that could have been handled better, Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really do, Biden. I think that could have been handled a lot better. I'm waiting for the women's rights groups to speak out. I'm waiting for Nancy Pelosi, who reminds us over and over again she's the first female Speaker of the House. It's funny. She's not speaking up for the females who are being brutalized, tortured, raped. Children, female children being sold into uh, slavery, if you will, sexual slavery. They're not hearing from all the women's groups who attack Kavanaugh. We're not hearing from them. Why is that? Why is that? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. So we will be out of Afghanistan at some point, two weeks, ten days, a month, two months, I don't know. Then we'll see who's right. Me or the extremist pacifists and uh, isolationists. We'll see who's right. And I sure as hell hope I'm wrong. Now, Biden ignored Mark Milley's request, reads the Daily Mail and the New York Times and the others. To keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, Secretary Lloyd Austin's warning withdrawal wouldn't provide any assurances against a Taliban takeover and Pentagon fears of Afghan soldiers folding reports claim. He didn't care, Biden, even if these leaks are accurate. Remember what I said about Richard Holbrook 10 years ago and what Biden told Holbrook. It's the same man who doesn't give an F to quote Biden, about what's going on on the border, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't give an F. I've told you before, he's a narcissist, he's an egomaniac. He's also an incredibly stupid man, even before he lost much of his wits. He was always stupid, cheated his way through law school, tried to go head-to-head with these legal scholars during Judiciary Committee hearings and made a buffoon of himself. Just a disaster. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. 
I hope you'll watch me on Sunday on Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't watch it live, I know there's a lot of stuff going on at 8 p.m., sports and so forth. I hope you'll DVR it. We're going to have an incredibly powerful show focused on Afghanistan, focused on the geopolitical issues related to it, focused on um, the consequences of this. We're going to have two tremendous guests. Remember I had on the program the other day the uh, former commander of British forces in Afghanistan, and so many of you were very, very impressed. He's going to be on for part of the show. First time on Fox. So I think you'll, you'll see. That. And by the way, this guy is like a Hollywood, uh, he's, he's like picked for the role. And he has been sent to hot spots by the British military his entire military career. And he's very blunt spoken. I think you, those of you who did not hear him on the program on radio, you're going you're gonna to fall in love with him. His name is uh, Colonel Retired Richard Kemp. He's very, very well-known outside of, you know, we, the civilians. Loves the United States. And he was in battle. And he led battle in the early days. The most brutal part of the battles. Again, on behalf of the British. So uh, I think that'll be very, very interesting. And others as well. So please be prepared for Sunday. We're going to have a wonderful uh, program. Very, very informative. Very substantive. And uh, after, I'm sure, Colonel Kemp is on my program, you'll see him on all the Fox programs. That's just kind of the way it works. And you know what? That's okay. You know, there was a tremendous interview last night of President Trump by my buddy Sean Hannity. And when you watched this interview and listened, Mr. Producer and I were just talking about this, you could tell Trump was angry. He was angry at what was being done to his country, what was being done in Afghanistan, what was being done to our military, what was being done to our citizens. He was... He was angry, you could tell. So I want to play a little bit of this for some of you who may not have seen it. And some of you who did, it's certainly worth listening to again under the circumstances. Cut six, go. Under your plan, if they had taken over 5%, not 60, like they had last, 5% that was not in your agreement, what would have happened to them? We would have hit them very hard. Again, the words are conditions, plural, conditions based. It was a, an agreement where actually we wanted to get out by May 1st and they violated the agreement. So we didn't. It's a great agreement from a lot of different standpoints. And frankly, Biden didn't have to even go by that agreement. He could have done. Look what he's done to the border. We had the greatest border, southern border in the history of our country. We stopped drugs. We stopped human trafficking. We stopped people from coming in, prisoners from coming in. Now you'll have, I mean, you have the worst people in the world. They're emptying their jails into our country. This is like the southern border, but it's handled even worse. Nobody handled the southern border worse than him. We had the most secure border we've ever had. Now we have by far the worst border we've ever had. Well, Afghanistan is the exact same thing. To think of this. We have a military. It's holding it. You know, I got to reduce down to 2,500 soldiers, and they were doing a good job. It was fine. It was a smaller force. I took it down from close to 20 to 2,500, and we were fine. But we have the military there, and we take the military out before we took our civilians out and before we took 
the interpreters and other. We want to try and help. But by the way, I'm America first, okay? The Americans come out first. But we're also going to help people that helped us. And we have to be very careful with the vetting because you have some rough people in there. But we're going to help those people. But can you imagine? Now, what we were going to do just very quickly is we were going to take the military out last, okay, last. The people were coming out. They were going to come out. But the agreement was violated, so I held things back because we weren't going to do anything, again, conditions-based. So well, they weren't we'll, we'll fulfilling their obligations and conditions. But here's just to finish. The people come out first. Then I was going to take all of the military equipment. We have billions and billions of dollars worth of new Black Hawk helicopters, brand new, that Russia now will be examining. And so will China and so will everybody else to figure it because it's the greatest in the world. What a disaster. What a disaster. You can see what I mean about Trump is not an ideologue. He's not one of these pacifists or uh, isolationists. He's a principled man and he's a practical man. And despite what was said about him, he's a prudential man. And that is how you run foreign policy. Cut seven, go. This is something that it will affect our relationships for years to come and decades to come. I will say, when China watches this, they're so happy and they're laughing at us. They're laughing. I extracted billions and billions of dollars out of China. Never happened. We never got 10 cents from China. Billions and billions. They were so happy to see a rigged election. They might have helped it along, actually. But they were so happy. But, Sean, I'll tell you what, this is the greatest embarrassment that I've ever seen. This is, and you know it better than you do an incredible job in covering it, and I appreciate it. The whole country appreciates it. This is the greatest embarrassment in the history of our country. There's never been, and let me tell you, we haven't stopped. This is not ending. Again, we have all of those thousands of Americans over there and others, and you're saying, how are they going to get? They have a Taliban ring around the airport. And they know, said nobody else. Now, they're saying we'll negotiate. But I really, do you really think? I mean, their history is that they're very brutal and they don't like to negotiate. That's their history. And Biden put us in this position. Mm-hmm. God, do we miss Donald Trump, don't we? Oh, but he tweeted. He's tweeting. Did you read his tweets? Today? Oh, my God. Did you read his tweets? The media are so sick. They're so sick. Then finally, cut eight. Go. What would you do if you were put into this situation right now and dropped in and you were to take over? What is the answer? Because we don't know where they are. Senator Tom Cotton literally said that people are being told to go to a website. Don't call anymore. Go to a website, he said. I'm like... Please tell me we have a better plan than that. Joe's been on vacation. I just heard that apparently he landed back at, at the White House. Nice of him to return. And he only returned because he was getting terrible press, okay? He didn't return for any other reason. And I don't even believe he's calling the shots. Look, what you need more than anything is a, is a president that's respected. You need a president that got rid of ISIS. We got 100% got rid of ISIS. We did a job. Uh, al-Baghdadi. I won't even mention all of the things that we did. Nobody's ever done what we've done. We were respected all over the world. China was paying us billions and billions of dollars of tariffs. 
companies were moving back into our country, and China respected us. And frankly, they respected me. He's right. And you clowns of the media, and you American Marxists, and the rest of you, you undermine this presidency. Every step of the way. And we miss Donald Trump very, very, very much. And what did Joe Biden do today? He got up, he starts threatening Republican governors. Issuing one mandate after another, trying to divert attention. So much of what he's spewing has nothing to do with science. Nothing. Then he turns around and walks out. Turns around and walks out. Did an interview with George Stephanopoulos, and that's supposed to be good enough. Well, I'm not watching any interview with George Stephanopoulos. We'll have clips tomorrow, but I'd be damned if I'm watching them. To jack up ABC's ratings. We saw how George Stephanopoulos interviewed Biden before. He had to pull his head out of his you-know-what. And then we saw how he mistreated President Trump. He's a hack. He's a phony. He's a fraud. But here in part is what Biden said at his press conference today. I want to remind you, he attacks the governors for dictating to the school boards, and these school districts exist as a matter of state law. The state oversees school districts. And now he wants to impose his will through the Department of Education into the school districts. And he's also encouraging school districts to defy the governors. So he's at war with the Constitution, and he's at war with the Tenth Amendment. Cut 19 today. Go. That's why today I'm directing the Secretary of Education, an educator himself. And a radical kook, I might add. Go ahead. Additional steps to protect our children. This includes using all of his oversight authorities and legal action, if appropriate, against governors who are trying to block and intimidate local school officials and educators. So they're going to try and blackmail now school districts. You either buckle or you're not getting any money from us. Now, when Republican presidents try that with sanctuary cities and so forth, they're told it's unconstitutional, just so you know. So here we have a president of the United States who's telling school districts to defy the states, which is what school districts report to. They report to the states. He's urging them to violate the requirements of the state because he's doing the bidding not of science but of the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers. And if they don't comply with Biden's edicts through the Department of Education, they're going to be punished, these school districts. If they don't defy their states. So he's now nationalizing school districts. Like he's been, as I've said many times, nationalizing private property. And defying a Supreme Court decision. So now he's nationalizing school districts. And seizing the authority of states. And of course the governors are political in their decisions. Not Biden. The governors are political. He has the nerve. He has the gall to do this. To try and change the subject. While these hideous events are taking place in Afghanistan, while we have thousands and thousands of American citizens who don't know how the hell to get out of there. And I don't care how many of these press events you listen to, 
There's no way that you know how they're going to get out of here. Here's a statement that was just issued by the Department of State today. U.S. government provided flights are departing. U.S. citizens, LPRs, and their spouses and unmarried children under age 21 should consider traveling to Hamid Karzai International Airport. You should plan to enter the airport at Camp Sullivan from the HKIA Airport South Traffic Circle. Head east for one kilometer and turn right on Camp Su- to Camp Sullivan. That is the entrance. Please note the gates may change frequently and they will provide updates as necessary. United States government cannot ensure safe passage to the Hamid Karzai International Airport. For updates, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Please check your spam folder for messages. For emergencies, call 1-888-407-4747. It goes on. Eligibility requirements. U.S. citizens are proof of LPR status with documents. U.S. citizenship are proof of LPR status without documents. Please be advised a significant number of individuals have registered, and space on these flights is available on first-come, first-served basis. You may be required to wait at the airport. The security situation in Cabal continues to change quickly, including at the airport. U.S. citizens seeking assistance to depart the country should complete the repatriation assistance request form for each traveler in their group. Can you imagine hunkering down and having to fill out these damn forms? You must complete this form even if you've previously submitted your information to the U.S. Embassy in Kabul for other means. This form is the only way to communicate interest in flight options. We will notify you directly by email based on your registration as soon as departure options become available. Do not call the U.S. Embassy in Kabul for details or updates about the flight. Do not travel to the airport until you've been informed by email that departure options exist. We will continue to provide periodic updates to this message. Please note that there are no pets allowed and that only individuals meeting the above criteria will be allowed to enter. Only one piece of hand luggage will be allowed per person if space is available. U.S. Embassy in Kabul, 18 August 2021 today. Red tape! All this red tape to get the hell out of harm's way! I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let me divert for a second since Biden brought this up, then I'll swing back. Over 70% of the people in this country have been vaccinated. Right, Mr. Producer? Over 70%. What percentage of the 30% have natural immunity now? Natural antibodies. Do we know? They'll never tell. So it has to be, right? Richie, a certain percentage of the 30% have natural antibodies and don't need the, and don't need the vaccine, right? Well, what percentage is it? We don't know. And then many of those who haven't been vaccinated are children. Because if you're under 12, even the CDC isn't sure about these vaccines. So I'm just curious. If 70% of the population has been vaccinated, leaving 30% left, a certain significant percentage of that 30% has natural antibodies... And another certain significant percentage of the 30% are children, right? So, this is, uh, 
I mean, I'm not a math major. It's not my top subject. 30%. Maybe they're talking about adults. Even so, let's say it's 70% of adults, even more. 30% of adults, over 12, let's say. Adults and young, young people above 12. 30%. Well, tell us about that 30%. Tell us. But they don't. I wish Joe Biden would hate the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and Hamas and so forth as much as he hates Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and you and me. But he's not built that way. He's a mental midget. He's not built that way. I wanted to announce to you that my book has now been out five weeks, American Marxism, and on Tuesdays, the New York Times alerts the publisher on where the book stands on their list. American Marxism is number one on the nonfiction hardcover and nonfiction hardcover and ebook combination lists for the fifth week in a row because of you. Our numbers show that it is sold about 815,000 copies in all formats in five weeks. 815,000 in five weeks. Because you people want to know what's happening to your country beyond the surface level static that we so often hear. These are all interlocked. Whether it's critical race theory or climate change or an open border, whether it's the attack on the cops, the undermining of our military, whether it's unwilling to protect our principles here or abroad. Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I'll address this uh, more tomorrow. There is a putrid little comrade over at something called Salon. Salon's been around a while. It's been funded by radical leftists. I would argue it's part of the whole American Marxist movement. That's just my opinion. And he's inquiring why did Mark Levin use the word Franklin School rather than rather than the what is it? Further School. I said what? Rather than the Frankfurt School. I've talked about Herbert Marcuse many times. And in the book I called it he came from the Franklin School. It's the Frankfurt School. I think once or twice on TV I referenced as the Franklin School. I don't know why, it stuck in my head. Ben Franklin, Franklin, whatever it was. So several weeks ago I mentioned to the publisher, we need to correct that. The book is 85,000 or so words long. There's endnotes to the writings of Herbert Marcuse. And in the books it mentions that he was with 
the Frankfurt School. So this guy says, I've committed an act of fraud, Mr. Producer. Now here's the thing. I'll deal with him later. That's the best they can do? That's the best attack you can launch? It's not an attack at all. In fact, it's the opposite. In a strange way, it's a pat on the back. We looked and we looked. Trust me, we're at Salon. Commie bastards. Yeah, yeah, we're at Salon. We're looking and we're looking and we're looking. Wait, he said Franklin, not Frankfurt. Franklin, not Frankfurt. But it takes time when it's a publishing house. It's like moving an aircraft carrier. It just takes time to get these things changed. It just takes time. And it's being addressed. And I'm not misleading anybody about anything. This is how desperate the American Marxist movement is, I'm just telling you. And again, I want to mention, we go around big tech, we go around Facebook, we go around Twitter. I don't promote my books there, and I'm not there. I don't buy my books in bulk. If somebody else does, don't look at me. I have nothing to do with it. And I don't even care, frankly. Somebody wants to buy it in bulk and give it out to a thousand people, go for it, baby. But I'm not involved in that. To jack up the numbers. I don't need to jack up my numbers. You've done that. This is a movement, ladies and gentlemen. They don't recognize it yet. It's a movement. And those of you who are not participating, we need your help. We need our ground forces, if you will. We need you. We need your kids. We need your neighbors and your colleagues and your friends. And if you don't want to read the book, there's the audio. Truckers from sea to shining sea are listening to it in their 18-wheelers as they drive across the country. It's true. We've had a shocking number of audio sales. I love our truckers. I love them. But we need you to participate in this. You see what's swirling around us. Here and overseas, you see what is swirling around us. So many great patriots out there who've jumped in. We need all the rest of you great patriots to jump in. You can jump in right now at Amazon.com. It's number one on Amazon.com. Or if you're in one of the bookstores, go to the bookstores. You're in one of the warehouse uh, stores. They all have it. And the more, the merrier. The more of you, the merrier. I want to thank Fox and Friends for having me on this morning. We had a technical problem, so I actually had to use uh, FaceTime. You know, I never look good with a phone shoved up my left nostril, Mr. Producer. But there we were. And uh, I want to thank Will Kane, who apparently just now played a clip from that. He's an honorable fellow. Very nice man. Um, good guy. Should have been played by some of the uh, news shows on Fox, I thought. But hey, you win some and you lose some over there. But I thought you might want to hear some of this from Fox and Friends this morning. Cut one, go. Number one, um, 2,500 non-combat troops backed up potentially by 1,000 combat troops, six to 7,000 NATO troops, and we had neutralized Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. 
we had neutralized Afghanistan. I was at the Reagan Library last week, and we had 1,500 people. So at 1,000, 2,500 people, a massive country with awful terrain. We had an impenetrable air base in northern uh, Afghanistan, and we had neutralized it. So people say 20-year war. What are they talking about 20-year war? Do we have a 70-year war in North Korea and South Korea? The whole goal wasn't just to take out Osama bin Laden. It was to make sure Afghanistan couldn't be used to attack us again. Right. Taking out bin Laden, of course, was a priority. But he would be replaced by another and another and another. So the whole goal there was to keep our intelligence there, to keep the fighting there. And then I hear the Afghan troops won't fight. They lost 69,000 men. That's more than we lost in Vietnam or Korea. Uh, they were fighting, except... In the middle of the night when we left our air base, why in the hell would we pull the military out before the civilians out? Right. We left our air base. They had no air cover. We trained them to fight like we fight with air cover. We pulled out our federal contractors, which meant even their air force and their helicopters couldn't be maintained anymore. They, didn't, they were going to lose parts. Of course, they have a corrupt government. We know that. Most of these places we go do have corrupt governments. So I'm thinking to myself, if we could rewind the clock and have 2,500 non-combatants and backed up by six or 7,000 NATO troops and have our base back, and with all this horrific activity that's going on in Afghanistan, would we do it? We sure as hell would do it. That's number one. Number two, our southern border is still wide open. We're in a more dangerous position we were than on 9-11. We now have state nation-state enemies like China, Russia, Iran, working with terrorist organizations. That's the new access of the enemy. This is prior to 9-11. We didn't even have that. We have that now. And the southern border is still wide open. Our border patrol is overwhelmed. ICE is undermined. We should be securing that border immediately, immediately, so we're not hit again. We are overwhelmed down there. That's number two. Number three, the idea that Donald Trump would just do what Joe Biden did is a lie. It's a damnable lie. And I'll give you some quick examples. Number one, we still have troops in Iraq. We still have troops in Syria. Why? Because Donald Trump is not an ideologue. He's a practical man. He's a principled man. And he decided, I'll take most of the troops out of Iraq, but I can't take all of them. I'll take most of the troops out of Syria, but I can't take all of them. And he didn't. And so he looks at what's going on on the ground. He makes decisions based on that. You heard what Admiral Kellogg had to say about their plan was nothing like what Biden did. Everybody get out military first. That wasn't the plan of the, of the uh, Trump administration. Trump took out Soleimani when Iran hit us in Iraq. He took out uh, uh, the head of ISIS. He destroyed ISIS in the caliphate. When Syria, he wanted nothing to do with Syria, was gassing its own people twice. He hit them twice. The idea that Donald Trump is anything like Joe Biden is a disgusting effort by Joe Biden not to take responsibility for what he has done. We have not only a human catastrophe, there's Pakistan. Pakistan is weak. Pakistan, pretty much a third of that country is already controlled by terrorists. That's where Osama bin Laden was hiding out. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. You think the Taliban is going to sit quietly and Al-Qaeda is going to sit quietly? You've got Iran on their border now aligning with the Taliban. You've got China that's making alliances with the Taliban. You notice the Russians haven't shut their embassy, so they have some kind of deal going on. India is potentially threatened, our ally. 
This is a big deal. What, what uh, Joe Biden has just done is completely changed the geography, completely changed our national security situation. We now have heightened terrorism uh, concerns from the Department of Defense. So I just wanted to lay out a few of these points. Right. I'm not one of those that say there's a 20-year war, and so we should have taken out every single soldier out of there. It was neutralized. We weren't hit from Afghanistan after 9-11. Not a single soldier was killed for the last 18 months. We have non-combat uh, military personnel there. Our air base was impenetrable. It was powerful. Now we All right, that's enough. So let me see if I can underscore this and, and help these slow to listen and learn. The bulk of the fighting, if not most of it, was being done by Afghan soldiers with air cover from us, with intelligence from us. The 2,500 were not involved in combat, direct combat operations. So how do you say that the 2,500 are not involved in combat operations, yet we kept the fight in Afghanistan? Because we weren't doing the bulk of the fighting the last two years of the war. The Afghans were. I don't know why that's so complicated, but apparently it is. It's very simple. We'll do a little bit more when I come back. I don't want to overdo it, but I will be right back. Lovin. Mr. Producer, do we have any irregular Americans who've called in or regular Americans? WBAP, Chris Fort Worth, Texas, a regular American. How are you, sir? Good, sir. I'm very pleased to talk to you. Um, Thank you. I'll, I'll give my point quick. No, go really and, slow. I'm just kidding. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah I'll get the point quick. But um, I agree with everything you're saying because I'm a patriot like you, and I think Trump should be president right now. I'm missing so much. Make a hell of a difference. Yes, he would. Um, but uh, the thing is, uh, yeah, go ahead. Biden came out and spoke uh, so stupidly and insincerely about COVID booster shots, not mentioning anything and, and denying. And by the way, on COVID booster shots, I got the J&J shot. I'm trying to figure out this booster shot. What's the science on that? If you had the J&J shot, you can't get a booster shot yet. So he's out there flailing around, giving half-truths, some information, no science whatsoever on the children, undermining states that are quite responsible and know how to do their jobs. It's incredible. And then turns around and walks out, takes no responsibility for the hell he's unleashed in Afghanistan. Nothing. Go right ahead, sir. Well, that, that's just it. He ignored the border. He ignored Afghanistan. I used to live in Iran for three and a half years. I speak Farsi. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a child uh, mm -hmm. from fifth grade day, and, and I, I'm right next door. But uh, forget that. But he's not even talking about the other crises that were going on in this country, inflation, the crime rate, and all that stuff. He's just talking about Bush. And I'm like, you know what? Just like Ron DeSantis said, I don't want to hear blip about COVID. 
mm-hmm. until you start addressing the other problems. Now you're right. This guy, as I said, he's a human pandemic. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a wrecking ball. And he doesn't handle the responsibilities of President of the United States properly, and that isn't even close to the disaster that he is. But he wants to reach into the states, he wants to reach into the private sector, he wants to control this, that, and This is a nasty old man who is stupid from the get-go. And it's extraordinarily dangerous. It's extraordinarily dangerous what we have here. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Ah, don't hang up! We want to make sure every caller, Mr. Producer, gets a signed copy of American Marxism, okay? Mr. Call Screener, let's not forget. Let us go to Robert Springfield, Virginia, the great WMALWMAL. How are you, Robert? Mr. Mark, it's a pleasure to finally get through to you, sir. Thank you. Um, you, know, you know, I had uh, been thinking about this, and I know it's a little bit off base, but is there anything you can think of? put pressure on these 18 Republicans, even if it's symbolic. Can't use the word S. Can't use the word and And, and not only that, it's not just the 19. I, I think most of the Republicans want to secure the border, but they don't want to do what's necessary to do it. And I get your point on the 19. They should not have voted for one penny in spending, nor should they going forward until that border is secure. Now more than ever, now more than ever, that the terrorists have an entire country, that they have massive amounts of our armaments, uh, that they see the United States as soft and vulnerable. That so-called 20-year war just doubled. It's now a 40-year war. And let us hope it doesn't occur here like it did 20 years ago. Don't hang up. Don't hang up, Robert. I want to give you a signed copy of American Marxism. Excellent point. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, A CNN reporter, Clarissa Ward today, who's actually, I believe, in Afghanistan. Cut 12, go. I've covered all sorts of crazy situations. This was mayhem. This was nuts. This was impossible for an ordinary civilian even if they have their paperwork, no way they're running that gauntlet. No way they're going to be able to navigate that. It's, it's very dicey, it's very dangerous, and it's completely unpredictable. There's no order, there's no coherent system for processing people, separating those with papers from those who don't have papers. And honestly, to me, it's a miracle that more people haven't been very, very seriously hurt. She's talking about how Americans are supposed to get to that airport, and if you listen carefully, to the Secretary of State, to the head of the Joint Chiefs, to the Press Secretary, excuse me, the Secretary of Defense, the Press Secretary to the Secretary of State, the Press Secretary to the President of the United States, you have no idea how Americans are supposed to get to the airport. And General Austin, the Secretary of Defense, basically said, we don't, we don't have the people, we don't have the resources to 
to do it. And they don't. So what do the isolationists have to say? What would they recommend we do? I'm just curious. They say they're American firsters. These are American citizens. What are we supposed to do now? And as for the Democrats, why aren't more of them condemning this? Why aren't more of them condemning this? I want you to listen to Nancy Pelosi on CBS San Francisco, hat tip, right scoop, what she has to say about what she sees and what Biden's doing. And I wonder if she'd be willing to change places with a woman in Afghanistan. I mean, she wouldn't have to wear a mask, just a burqa. But I'm quite serious. Listen to this. Cut 11, go. Should the Biden administration have had a stronger U.S. military presence for the transition? Well, first may I just say that I commend the president for the action that he took. It was strong, it was decisive, and it was the right thing to do. We should have been out of Afghanistan a while back. Uh, But now we are, unfortunately, uh, one of the possibilities was that it would be a a disarray as it is. But that has to be corrected. And it is my understanding from the assurances we have received that the um, military will be there negotiating with the Taliban for the safe exit of American citizens and friends, people who have helped us, our allies there. And people who work in the nonprofit sector, but also not just U.S. NGOs, but those who have worked in Afghan uh, uh, NGOs as well who would be targets. Oh, jeez. Another mumbler. The old guard gets older and older and doesn't get out of the way. Have you noticed? Well, first may I say, I commend the president for the actions he's taken. It was strong, it was decisive, and it was the right thing to do. No, it wasn't, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. No, it wasn't. So there's Nancy Pelosi. Women are being brutalized as I speak. Women are being brutalized over there. You see, folks, she doesn't give a damn. She really doesn't. It's all about politics with her. It's all about power. All these American Marxists, same thing. Whether they write at Salon or whether they're, whether they're elected as speaker or whatever it is. In the end, they're just looking about how to maneuver, what the narrative's going to be, how to empower themselves out of a crisis, point fingers at everybody else. That's all. That's all. That's what she's doing. Matt Zeller served in the, as I understand it, the military as well as the CIA. And he really let Brian Williams have it. So I'm sure CNN will, uh, will yank his chain at some point. And he's on CNN today. He's on CNN today. And he's talking about the disaster again that has is, that is unfolded there. Cut 15, go. We have a beachhead in Kabul. It's not a very effective beachhead, as we can clearly see. There are scenes of chaos at the airport. What we need is for the U.S. military to then expand that perimeter so that it's more effective for people to be able to get in. We need to be- Now let's stop there. Is he wrong? Well, I would ask the isolationists who claim to be pro-American, and I would ask the anti-Americans who claim to be pro-Biden, well, what do you recommend under these circumstances? How are people going to get to the airport? 
They're not going to get to the airport with that form I read to you from the State Department. Do this, you know, sign it twice, get a notary out of West Virginia, then send it back and, uh, and make sure you put it in one of our drop boxes. That's not happening. This is a, an extremist situation. Life and death for many Americans, citizens, civilians. But he's right. You're going to have to expand the perimeter because the Taliban are in, have encircled the airport. Go ahead. Man, that they need to shut down their checkpoints in the city because they're actively taking people's passports. I've had U.S. citizens who have had their U.S. passports taken from them, their green cards taken from them. Afghans are having their documentation stolen from them by the Taliban in an attempt to prevent... Which means they can't possibly meet the red tape demands of the State Department to get into the airport and get into one of those planes. But don't worry, we're negotiating with the Taliban to fix this. Don't worry. It's got to come to an end. It's got to come to an end. Don't worry. Go ahead. Being able to even get into the, the airbase. So enough of this. We're the United States military. We have the most powerful military on the planet. We should use it for good. We should and by the way, that's exactly what Donald Trump said. He wouldn't put up for th- with this for one minute. And he's right. That's the only way we're going to get everybody out. He's right. Go ahead a humanitarian corridor in Kabul and provide safe passage for whoever needs to get to the airport for as long as this takes. And the only person who can do that is the President of the United States. So I really hope somebody who works for him or himself is watching because that's what we need. He's the one person who can save these But he hasn't been told that just by you. He's been told that by others. And he doesn't want to do it. And those who are now saying, look, of course we needed to get out of there. By all means, we needed to get out of there. We needed to get out of there, but this is a screw-up. Okay, now what should we do? Because, frankly, we're going to have to send in more trips to save, uh, uh, troops to send, uh, save these civilians. Well, we can't do that. That's the problem with ideologues. We've got to get them out. We don't have enough men. The Secretary of Defense and the head of the Joint Chiefs basically said so. We have to make decisions. Our resources are what they are. Now here's what Theodore Roosevelt, even Franklin Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, and you heard from last night, Donald Trump would tell the United States military, you do whatever the hell you have to do and you get those citizens out of there. We're talking about 10, 15, 17,000, 13,000, we don't know. You get those citizens the hell out of there. And by the way, while you're at it, you get our allies who worked with us closely. And that's not 80,000, by the way, but you get our allies who worked with us very closely. You get them the hell out of there, too. And you tell the Taliban, you don't know what hell is. You don't know what it is, but you're going to know soon. Our bombers are ready. We know where all you leaders live and your families are. And we will deal with it. See, Trump would do that. I don't believe Biden's even capable of doing that. I don't believe it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
I worry deeply for our friends in Israel because they have a, a phony prime minister and government there that is beyond stupid. Let me read this release from the White House today. Jen Psaki on the visit of Prime Minister Naftali Bennett of Israel. I'm going, what? Why is he coming here now? President Biden will welcome Prime Minister Naftali Bennett of Israel to the White House on August 26, 2021. Prime Minister Bennett's visit will strengthen the enduring partnership between the United States and Israel, reflect the deep ties between our governments and our people, and underscore the United States' unwavering commitment to Israel's security. Now listen to this. The President and Prime Minister Bennett will discuss critical issues related to regional and global security, including Iran. The visit will also be an opportunity for the two leaders to discuss efforts to advance peace, security, and prosperity for Israelis and Palestinians, and the importance of working towards a more peaceful and secure future for the region. Are you kidding me? Hamas just graduated the Taliban. Why would this fool Bennett and that damn fool coalition government that includes these Arab parties and Lapid, who is La Stupid, why would they do that? Instead, what they ought to be doing is thinking to themselves and talking among themselves, we may have to go this alone, the Biden administration. Look, Eugene Kantorovich is a brilliant Israeli lawyer. And he says, this is terrifying. Prime Minister Bennett coming to Biden to hear about U.S. unwavering commitment to Israel's security. You know what happens, happened to the last country he said about that? Shocking. I want to go to Adam Laxalt, um, who's a good, good man. I knew his grandfather very well, Paul Laxalt. Paul Laxalt was a great governor of Nevada. He was a great senator, great confidant of Ronald Reagan's. As a matter of fact, helped bring Ronald Reagan to the Oval Office and the presidency. What a wonderful, wonderful man. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right, Adam. Now... I heard, I think I saw, that you've decided that you want to run for the United States Senate. Tell our 14 million listeners exactly what you're talking about. Thanks, Mark. We announced the United States Senate here in Nevada yesterday, and uh, this, is, this is going to be one of the most important races in the country. We've, we have a chance to be the 51st seat, and we have a chance to take out this career politician that, that Harry Reid hand-selected to replace and uh, I won't even say her name. Your, your listeners probably have no idea who she is because she, she's done nothing for the state uh, and, and has had made, made no impact. But I can tell you that Nevadans, like many Americans, are absolutely fired up. Uh, they want to fight to take this country back. And, and this is you know, why we decided to put our family on the line and get back into this terrible business is because America needs leadership and America needs people that are going to stand up against the lunacy of the left. And uh, is there any more stark contrast now when you see President Trump's America First policy just from just a few months ago utterly collapse in the Biden administration and we get the real-world example of, of just what diplomacy looks like from the left and in the Biden administration, this, this catastrophe in Afghanistan. Now, you were elected attorney general statewide, uh, correct? 
I was. I was Once a or twice. enforcement officer for the state. And, uh, you know, it's another incredible contrast with my opponent. She was an eight-year attorney general. And when our streets were being burned in Nevada, in both Reno and Las Vegas, when, when an officer was shot in the head, uh, did she stand with law enforcement? Did she call for an end to the, to the protest and the BLM? Absolutely not. She supported that activity. Uh, and, and, again, Nevadans are, are, were, were terrified of what they witnessed in 2020, and, and they just want a reasonable cooperation with law enforcement. They want somebody that's going to support our police, which, of course, I have uh, since I was the top law enforcement officer. And, and there's no question that, that people just they don't, do not want someone that is going to be a, a carrying the water of the left and someone that is not going to stand up against all this. Insanity. Now, was she attorney general before you or after you? Yeah, I took over for, from her. She was an eight-year attorney general. And, um, you know, eight years. And then what did she do? She ran for the House of Representatives, as I understand? What's that? What did she do after attorney general? Then she, then, then she, she ran for Harry Reid's seat. And became, I, but became I thought she was also a congressman, no? No. Okay, so she runs in Harry Reid's seat. And, uh, look, the demographics in Nevada have become much more difficult. So you, you think you can, you can husband a message and an argument particularly pointing out what a disaster the Democrats have been, and, uh, and take that seat, correct? 2018 was an incredibly blue year in the state of Nevada, uh, and, and all the races were margin of error. The president lost by Nevada in two points. That's with all of the, the lies and the attacks that, that were thrown at him from the beginning till the end of his administration. Uh, and so there's no question that this is an absolute toss-up state, and we expect, we know there's a major change in the environment in the state of Nevada, and uh, as long as we have a red year, we're going to win this race, and we're going to be the 51st seat. Now, I want to endorse you, if that helps you, uh, Adam Laxalt. That's number one. And number two, if people want to... we'll take it. Well, it's Thank my you. honor. And if people want to help you, where do they go? They go to adamlaxalt.com. We really appreciate it. It's an incredibly important race, and uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, we're we're going to be we're going to be fighting right till the end. And uh, there's no question it could be a couple hundred million dollar race. It's going to be a massive battle. Uh, but but we believe that that right down through the fall of next year, this is going to be the 51st seat, and we're going to win this race. Well, I know for a fact you're a, a strong and articulate constitutional conservative. I know for a fact that you'll enforce the rule of law. I know for a fact you're not going to put up with rioting and critical race theory and all the rest, that you believe in a colorblind and united state, and, uh, and you believe in merit and all these things that are crucially important. So uh, this is one of the reasons I want to back you. I think you would be a fantastic independent constitutional conservative in the United States Senate. So... And once again, it's adamlaxalt.com. Is that what you said? That's it. Thank you, Mark. Adamlaxalt.com. Anybody in Nevada, if you can help him in terms of, uh, you know, labor, physical activity, uh, door-to-door, whatever, and anybody in the country, if you can help Adam Laxalt, he would be a fantastic senator. As I said, I knew his grandfather very, very well. And let me tell you something your grandfather said to me once. When my dad and I came to Washington, we were in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was the summer, Adam. 
and the Panama Canal Treaty was being debated. And I was a relatively young man, but I wasn't from Nevada. So I called his office. I believe the administrative assistant's name was, I don't remember her name, but she was very powerful. Was it uh, Ellen or Debbie? Something like that. I think Janine. I don't remember. She was a wonderful lady. Okay. Your grandfather saw my father and me for almost 30 minutes, and we weren't even constituents. And one of the things he said to me, Adam, every day we meet here, Mark, we lose a little bit of our liberty. And I have never forgotten that. Adam, I got to run. AdamLaxalt.com. God bless you, my friend. We'll have you back. Trust me. Support Adam. I strongly endorse him. We'll be right back. They can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. Remember the Cokes? Remember how we used to like the Cokes? Remember how they, they used to fight the Democrats and fight the left? Well, those days are over. In many ways, Coke has gone cuckoo, a.k.a. cuckoo. They even formed this group called the Quincy Institute. I saw this on Fox yesterday. It was being endorsed, I think. And this is a, uh, a combination of the kook left and the kook right. I think libertarians. But not all libertarians are kooks, of course. But there are kooks. Coke world believes in open borders at the same time it believes in diminishing our defenses. In other words, it's suicidal, in my humble opinion. Suicidal. They weren't always this way, but they're this way now. Coke World comes to Biden's defense on Afghanistan. This is Axios, which is a left-wing site. President Biden is getting some unlikely backing for his Afghanistan troop withdrawal from a longtime nemesis, the Coke Political Network. They haven't been a longtime nemesis for a long time now. Concerned Voters for America, a foreign policy focus arm of Charles Koch's Stand Together political and policy apparatus, is coming to Joe Biden's defense after the U.S. withdrawal handed control of the country to the Taliban this week. The Koch political network is one of the foremost antagonists of the Obama administration in which Biden served as vice president. I think he made the right decision to withdraw, said Dan Caldwell, a senior advisor to CVA and foreign policy campaign manager for Stand Together. He told Axios in an interview, well, this guy's obviously sold out. Caldwell said there should be a thorough review of how the withdrawal was undertaken and of the larger two-decade war effort, but I am frankly uncomfortable to Monday morning quarterback decisions made around the withdrawal while it's going on. Why? That's bizarre. If not now, when? If not us, who? Keep hope alive. He also rebuked some Republicans for their Biden criticism. He said, it's incredibly disappointing to see people using the chaos in Afghanistan to score political points against their opponents, primarily against Joe Biden, who in many ways just was following through on a plan set in motion by President Trump. Well, it appears that Dan Caldwell is a fraud. President Trump himself explained why that wasn't the case, as have many of his advisors, and we'll do that again on Sunday. You may want to listen, Dan. CVA plans to continue running digital ads supporting the Afghanistan withdrawal. 
Are they going to run digital ads supporting open borders too? Because that's what they support, you know. We think we've made a lot of progress over the past few years, Colwell said. We're going to stay committed to this regardless of short-term changes in political landscape. Committed to what? America's suicide? Now, Biden has faced bipartisan criticism over his handling of the Afghan withdrawal, they say, making any public support crucial, says Axios. Some of that support has come from progressive groups like Vote Vets. It's a radical left group, which released a statement on money praising Biden's decision. The Koch political network leans libertarian and non-interventionist. But CVA's backing is nonetheless a cross-ideological chit for the Biden administration as it seeks to minimize political fallout. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain on Monday retweeted Stand Together's Vice President of Foreign Policy who said Biden's decision demonstrates real courage. Real courage? Is this Stan Caldwell unhinged? This is real courage? Real courage on Joe Biden's part? No, the troops, that's where the courage is. The Afghans who, who worked with us and supported us, that's where the courage is. The people calling out Biden, that's where the courage is. It's the Koch Foundation, ladies and gentlemen. Are they using Coke over at the Koch Foundation? I'm starting to think they are, Mr. Producer. Dan Caldwell. Danny, I hope the job was worth it. Because your name is forever in print with what's taking place today in Afghanistan. You sound like Nancy Pelosi. This Joe Biden, the courage, he made good decisions, he's the man. That's Coke. And that's spelled K-O-C-H, not, you know, C-O-K-E. So I'm told. Unbelievable. Now, moving from Coke, a billionaire, let's move to Twitter, another billionaire. Jack Dipcrap. What's his name? Dorsey. Oh, yes. Like the look there, Jack. Frightening, but it's a good look for Halloween. Fox News Trump barred from Twitter, but Taliban spokesman tweets away. I wonder what Dan Caldwell over there at, at Coke thinks. Twitter standards were called into question after users pointed out that a key Taliban spokesman has been using the platform to give updates about the group's advance within the country, while former President Trump's account remains permanently suspended. Zalul Majib Yabadabadu, his account is not verified, but has nearly 280,000 followers and is regularly cited by major news outlets. Well, I guess he's followed by news outlets and maybe the Cokesters. He recently tweeted an update on military units entering Kabul. He wrote that their advance is continuing normally. Jerome Revere, the, a French politician, took to Twitter and posted, quote, Freedom and democracy are not going well when Twitter continues to ban Trump's account, but relays the Taliban spokespersons without, without any second thought. I, I guarantee you, Jack, what's his name? Jack Dorsey. If it were the Third Reich, he'd be, yeah, yeah, as long as, as long as they're not, you know, promoting violence on the Internet, that's okay. As long as they're not promoting violence on the Internet, you know, we can allow Hitler to tweet. Now, January, Twitter announced on its blog that Trump's account, which had over 80 million followers, was permanently suspended. Now, that's why I 
On January 1st, I left Twitter, even before they permanently suspended Trump. And of course, I permanently left Facebook. Twitter really didn't do much with me, but Facebook was endlessly, you know, slapping. I said, what am I, in third grade? I got to listen to these piss ants? I say that with all due respect. These losers, these pukes, these frauds and phonies, I have no intention of bringing them business. That's why you don't see American Marxism being promoted by me on Twitter or Facebook. Maybe others are, but it ain't me. And of course, others do, including hypocrites out there who keep telling you about Twitter and Facebook while they keep promoting them. I won't promote them. I want nothing to do with them. Nothing. So Trump barred. It's like today. It's like the it's like the head case Biden trashing DeSantis, trashing Abbott, trashing Republicans, but the Taliban not a word, not a word. What about the Taliban? Well, we knew they were like this. We we knew. Actually, he didn't say anything. He was he didn't allow a question. He turned around and walked away. His his team, his brain trust, such as it is at the White House, said. We know this guy's an idiot. We can't let him take questions, so really blow it. He'll really blow it. Now, you know, if this were a Republican administration, they wouldn't put up with that. We'd be seeing front-page stories in the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes. We'd be hearing Fredo Cuomo, the dumbo, and Dee Lemon, the moron, and Andrea Mitchell. I better not. Uh, they would all be trashing Trump. What is he, a dictator? He must be a fascist. You know, there's American citizens and American troops there. He can't just turn around and walk away. Who the hell does he think he is? And then there's Biden. Crickets, crickets. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. encourage you to do two things this evening. Just two. You can blow me off. I got it. Just two. Those of you who haven't jumped in and gotten your copies of American Marxism, please jump in tonight. And if there's other people in your family or friends who you know would benefit from this, please jump in on their behalf. We got to keep pushing, folks. You see what's crumbling all around us here. And check out Hannity tonight. I'll be on at 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. That's it. They're not two massive things, I don't think. Here's something very weird. Fox News. Sent to me by my wife. She was a big hit at the Reagan Library. It was like, oh, hi, Julie. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi, Julie. Uh, hi, Mark. Despite Afghanistan withdrawal, Biden seeks to spend $3.6 billion more on reconstruction there next year. What? In its budget request for fiscal 2022, the White House included $3.3 billion for Afghan security forces to be paid out via the Defense Department's Afghanistan Security Forces Fund. The money would flow to the Afghan National Army, the Afghan National Police, the Afghan Air Force, the Afghan Special Security Force. They don't exist anymore. The White House has also requested $364 million to go toward development assistance via the State Department and U.S. Agency for International Development. 
That money would be aimed at, quote, improving access to essential services for Afghan citizens, promoting economic growth, fighting corruption, narcotics, on and on and on. The White House said in a June fact sheet, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, obviously doing a great job, by the way, John Sapko, mentioned the request in a letter accompanying a report discussing the failures of of reconstruction in, in in the process. Now, here's my question. Fox has asked the administration if they're going to continue to support this, and they can't get an answer. And they can't get an answer. Wouldn't the answer be no? What's going on here? Wouldn't the answer be a simple no? Fox News asked the White House if the administration... This is a 14-hour-old article... Wants funds in light of the Taliban taking over the country, but they didn't respond. Now, I'm not saying this is the case. But should they put this money in that massive omnibus, second omnibus bill that they're pushing, why would they put $3.6 billion more into reconstruction in Afghanistan if the terrorists are in control, Mr. Producer? I have a theory, just a theory. I asked on Fox this morning and I asked here yesterday. They're negotiating with the Taliban. They're negotiating with the Taliban. Biden doesn't want to send in the the heavy armor, you know, to pound the crap out of them in order to get our citizens out. What are they negotiating with? What are they willing to offer the Taliban, are they willing to give them billions of dollars the way they've given the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran billions of dollars while they're negotiating with them? I'm not saying there are. I'm raising the question. What is this money for? Shouldn't the simple answer from the administration be, no, 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 we're withdrawing that. That's from June. We see what's going on. It's August 18th. But they didn't say that. What is this, a slush fund? I'm not saying it is. I'm asking. What is it that they've offered the Taliban, if anything, when they keep saying the State Department is negotiating with the Taliban? And as I pointed out the other day, as my stepson David had mentioned to me, a brilliant point. Surely the Iranians are telling the Afghanistans that the Biden administration is a very, very soft touch that they've collected billions and billions of dollars and they haven't moved an inch on their position just based on negotiations. Isn't it likely the Taliban's using exactly the same model? So the question is, what is this money for? Are they going to withdraw it? Are they going to proceed with it? Maybe there is a Republican with a relatively modest IQ on Capitol Hill who will ask the question. Because I'd like to know. I just want to know. Despite the withdrawal, Biden seeks to spend, this is the headline, $3.6 billion more on reconstruction there next year. Now keep something in mind. He had planned to get out of there first by 9-11 and then by August 31st, right? So why would they want reconstruction funds for Afghanistan after we leave? And the question is, Why won't they say a simple no when somebody asks, like Fox, what do you need this money for now? 
Fair question. We need an answer. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I will see you literally in 30 minutes on Fox, I hope. I hope you'll jump into Amazon tonight and grab your copies of American Marxism. Time to stand up, my brothers and sisters. See you in a minute.